it starts in 14, but I'm just going to start in verse 18 because that's where we're going to start. When you're in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, say amen. 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 Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So we've seen, uh, remember I told you this uh, last class, that this verses 14 through 20 can be a little confusing because of the, the way that it got uh, translated, it's worded. Uh, very interesting, actually. <laughs> uh, nobody really talks like that. Plus, it's just hard to understand because it was kind of translated wrong. So it doesn't make a lot of sense when we read it. I told you that it said, when it said in verse 15, for that which I do, I allow not. That allow just simply means I, I don't understand. It should have been translated. For that which I do, I do not understand. What Paul is saying is, I'm failing and I don't understand, I don't understand why, I don't understand why I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. And, and when I have the desire to do the right thing, and when I do the wrong thing, I don't understand why. I don't understand why I did the wrong thing. When my heart's desire was to do everything on the inside of me, wanted to do the right thing, and I found that I did the wrong thing. And I just straight up do not understand why and what is happening. That's what Paul was saying. So now that helps us to understand a little bit better. So let's jump back to verse 18. Uh, Dad, go ahead. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Speaks of man's own ability, or the lack thereof, at least when it comes to spiritual things, in comparison to the Holy Spirit. Paul found out that all of his struggles by his own self-efforts, even as dedicated or as sincere as they may be, bring about no victory whatsoever. The believer has no solution within himself regarding these problems. There is something that is said in the church world that God looks at the heart. Yes, it is true, but a lot of times we just use that for an excuse to do something that's not spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just like, well, he sees my heart. You're right. But at the end of the day, whether you have a good heart or not, if you drink poison, you die. Yeah, but yeah, but I had a good heart. Yeah, but it's still poison. Yeah. And it will still have the same. But poison doesn't say, oh, wow, they had a good heart, so I'm not gonna <laughs> I'll have no effect on this person because well they had a pure heart. They had good motives and they were very sincere. So even though they drank poison, I will not react the way no, that's not how it works. You drink it, you die. No matter, it doesn't matter. The poison is still the same. When we operate in an unscriptural manner, it doesn't matter how sincere we are, how pure our motives are, or even how dedicated that we are. 
it's going to have a bad effect because it is not scriptural. Yeah. I, I said it uh, not a few classes ago, but if we try to use prayer as a way to get victory over something, we're trying to use something that God has given the wrong way. It's like trying to use a spoon to cut a steak. And that's the idea when we use, when we take prayer and try to use it as a way to get victory over a sin or whatever in our life, we're trying to use a spoon as a knife and it's never going to work. And then when it doesn't work, we think prayer doesn't work. No, prayer works, but the way that you're trying to use it, yeah. it won't work yeah. for what you want it to do. You can have a pure heart, very sincere, dedicated, all of those things. And yet, the results will still be the same. Mm -hmm. If you do something that's not scriptural, no matter how good your heart is towards everything, the result is going to be the same. Wreckage. You're going you're gonna to be shipwrecked. Your faith, it allows your faith to be shipwrecked because you've done, you've gone and did something that's against the way that God has set it up to work. But we do. We, we just, well, he, the Lord knows my heart. You're, you're right. He does know your heart. But if you don't operate scripturally, the sincerity and the purity of your heart doesn't matter. You're still going to fail. No matter what. We can have, if I can have a very pure heart and want to take my wife, sorry, Sarah, I'm going to use you here, take my wife to go on a trip. But yet I go the wrong way. We want to go to Texas and I'm heading toward Florida. Well, I have a sincere heart to take her to Texas. She wants to go to where? Somewhere. Texas. <laughs> I'm going the wrong direction. I'm never going to get there. Even though my heart is totally pure towards Sarah, I'm still not going to get there. We do that in our spiritual walk with the Lord. Oh Lord, I haven't said it. I mean, not just our spiritual walk, but sometimes we do it in ministry. Sometimes we do it in relationships. All kinds of stuff. I mean, it just goes across the board. Yeah. Sincere heart. But something that's not scriptural, and we're going to find wreckage at the end of that. Man does not need to add anything to this great plan, and in fact, if he attempts to do so, all he does is frustrate the grace of God, which means our efforts hinder him from doing what he alone can do. Our efforts in anything. But right here in this context, we still talk about victory over sin, living a sanctified, holy life before the Lord, our daily walk before the Lord. When we, even though we accept the cross, but we still add our own efforts in, it doesn't help. The only thing that it does is hurt. It actually frustrates the grace of God, which is what Paul talked about in Galatians. That if you add circumcision or anything else to Christ and the cross, 
you frustrate, you're going to frustrate the grace of God. You Meaning, you won't have it. You're going to lose it. The grace of God, God desires to bring you grace, give you grace, and bring you all the benefits of Calvary. But the moment that you attach anything to the cross, he, it ties his, his hands become tied, and he can't bring you any benefit of Calvary. We said, well, no, God can do anything. He can, but he's still just, yeah. holy, and right. If God broke his own law, then he wouldn't be God. That's right. But we act like that sometimes. That's just our mindset. Can we just be honest? Well, praise God. And it sounds it sounds like great faith. Well, praise God. God can do whatever He wants. What faith? But He won't operate in an unscriptural manner. And that's most of the time when that's it. That's the way that we're we basically what we attempt to do is take God's feet and hold them to the fire. And say that if you don't, then you aren't faithful. Yeah. But he's faithful. Yes. But he's still just and holy and righteous. And he's not going to go against something that he set up to work a certain way. That's just not how it works. Yeah. Uh, the next part. For to will is present with me. The will is not strong enough to overcome sin, at least within itself. That also means that Satan can override a believer's will. That is, if the power of God does not accompany the will. And we're going to see that play out more as we go along. But Paul saying that he had the desire to do right. That was there. It wasn't that he lacked the desire to do right. Sometimes we see a believer, and that believer does something that we can obviously see is totally wrong. And we're just like, well, they just, they just want to do that. No. You got no guarantee that that's the truth. We can't see a person's heart. Only God can see the person's heart. But in this case, Paul had the desire to do right, and he was doing the wrong thing. A lot of us, and I say us, I don't mean just us, but a lot of us, if we saw that in another believer, oh, well, they don't even want to live for God. But see, I'll tell you what, they ain't trying. They want to do that. Paul, can you believe him? He wanted to do that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. That, to be honest, we think like that sometimes. We might not, we might not say it. <laughs> but we do. We think about that person. They just, I don't even care. And you don't even know how many times they lay awake at night crying. Yeah. Lord, help me. Help me. I don't want to do this. I don't understand. Broken. The will of man is only the trigger and not the power itself. The Holy Spirit is the power, but is triggered by the will of the believer. This power is only available when our object of faith is the cross of Christ. Actually, I have it later on. Basically, says the same thing in my notes, but it's worded a little bit better. the The will is it is like a trigger, but that trigger without on that, that a trigger on a gun without the gun being loaded and having explosive 
powder is no good. Go see what happens if you pull it. If the gun is not loaded, there's nothing in it, and you pull that trigger, what's going to happen? Nothing. <laughs> That's why a lot of Christians live their Christian life. They have the desire to do right. They have the trigger, the desire, the will to do what's right. That's there. But there's no explosive power. 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 So they just click, click, click. And the whole time the sin nature is dominating them. Click, click, click. And to be honest, a lot of ministers are the exact same way. Click, click, click. The message of the cross is not just for the laity. Sure. Yeah, it's true. If you're a minister, and right now, obviously, it's for you first. Yeah. Because if you don't have the answer, you have nothing to give the people. Yeah, try, 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 try. If you don't have the answer, what you don't have is ministry. I'll just say it very plainly. You have a lot of noise. Yeah. yeah. Clanging hmm. symbols. Yeah. But no help to the people. Because you don't know the answer yourself. So I, I can't I can't give Sarah the answer to something that I don't even have the answer to. Yeah. I'm gonna just go you know what's gonna happen? We're just gonna end up in the same ditch. And she and I'm but I'm supposed to right here I am. And Sarah comes to me. But I don't have the answer. Sarah comes to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, but I don't give the answer because I don't have the answer. So Sarah comes in broken and leaves broken. Comes in broken, leaves broken. Comes in tormented and broken and leaves the same way. It's sad, but this is a, I'm talking about this is a reality in many churches. Sarah, I remember one time listening to a brother, I was listening to Brother Jimmy. And this was before he knew the message of the cross. He was preaching it somewhere, you know. And this guy came up to him afterwards, you know. He was just broken, you know. Mm -hmm. And said he did not know how to overcome the sin of homosexuality, you know. Yeah. And all and Brother Jimmy at the time didn't know the answer yeah. either. And he said, all I could tell him is just pray more. But he said, I walked away from there feeling defeated. Yeah. Yeah. That I could not help this man. Knowing yeah. that that wasn't like someone on the incest said yeah. not the answer. Yeah. yeah. But he didn't know the yeah, answer, at the, know the answer at the time. Yeah. yeah. And that, that that's ha that's happening yeah. all over the place. And a lot of times we just we don't think anything about it. We just mm -hmm. well you know that's their business. No 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 you've been bought with the price. What what's God's business is your business now. Yes. Well, that's their business. They down the road. That's their business. You, you've been bought with the price. Your business is the business of the master. Yeah. Which means that's his business. Now, of course, we don't bust up in there. <laughs> <laughs> Prayer is a good way. You can pray for them like you never prayed for anybody else before in your life. And ultimately, it's up to them to change. It's up to them to change and make the decision. 
But we can intercede. We can cry out for them. Yeah. And if we have the chance to talk to them, we can talk to them. Yeah. That's not easy. No, it's not. No, it's it's not. hard. It's hard because you throw, you, to be honest, you just kind of put yourself out there. Yeah. I just tell them it's a personal choice and it's not the one that the Bible advises. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to pray, pray, pray through it. Yeah. It is, it is, it's tough. It's, I don't like confrontation. I'll just be honest. Mm -hmm. Me either. I'm terrified of heights, but confrontation is probably like the second thing on my list. <laughs> I just, I don't like it. I, I just, I, I would rather just not even say a word if I know that something that I might say would either hurt, offend. They're going to blow up at you because that, that's not what they want to do. They would just totally disagree with me. Then I'm like, ah, I'll just say that. Lord, you'll take care of them. <laughs> See, now you're wrong again. And now here I am. I, I go, I go back to there's, a, there's one of the churches in the book of Revelation that Jesus speaking to the pastor of the church said, you're guilty because basically the spirit of Jezebel is teaching in here and you say nothing. He said that the pastor was guilty. But the pastor wasn't teaching that. It doesn't say that you joined in and taught it. But he allowed it. It says you say nothing. You allow it. If you allow it, you're guilty. Yeah. And that was the idea. As the pastor, he was guilty. And the Lord put that on his doorstep. Mm -hmm. no, you, you say because it is easier to be quiet. I had a thought not too long ago that if someone confronted me with that and asked, do you think I'm wrong? Do you think this is wrong? I'd say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a Bible. And you read this Bible and let the Lord tell you if it's wrong or what your life is or just to minister to you. And then I would pray for them mm -hmm. the whole time they were reading the Bible. <laughs> that the Lord would bring this right. to their blinded eyes or whatever yeah. and change them. Yes. You know, not that you would have to get in a confrontation or anything else. I don't know if that's the right thing to do or not. A lot, a lot of them believe that it's okay after the after the cross. That everything's changed. They tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not right. There are, and, and, but you are right, Sister Jen. That is definitely, you won't go wrong if you do that. I'll tell you that. You will not go wrong. And I tell them, come back, let's talk afterwards. And you tell me, let's just talk about it. You know, the, you tell me tell what, what God tells you. <laughs> and the biggest difference is that it, you, have, you have the scriptural basis to stand upon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when, when there is a a disagreement of some sort when it comes to that, I'll just tell you the truth, it can shake you a little bit. It can. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what does the Bible say? That's it. Yeah. If, and, you, and you can share that with someone, mm -hmm. what's right scripturally, mm -hmm. and if they don't agree, then there's nothing. Yeah. This is the final yeah, authority. Yeah. If you believe something that goes against this book, yeah. then 
that's between you and the Lord at that point. But to not say anything at all makes us guilty. But if we say it and then they reject it, actually the scripture would say when, when, when they were to go, when the disciples were to go into a city, he said, if they do not receive you, shake the dust of your feet. Shake that dust of that city off of your feet. But a lot of times we don't even present it because we are afraid of rejection and confrontation. But our job isn't to make them see it. It's just to present it. Mm, yes, that's right. And if they reject it. That's how that works. I got in the Word, and I would pray before I read the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to teach me. Yes. Because when the Holy Spirit teaches you something, then you're there. And then I'd be listening to something, and a man might confirm it by a word said. Right. Yeah. But the same with this, whoever, you get in there and pray before you read and let the Holy Spirit guide you and teach you. Yes. And, you know, then that worked for me. That's what happened in my own life. So... Yeah, it, it's uh, my dad was probably similar. Uh, the, the I think if I remember correctly, the, the the Lord really taught him from they went out. Of course, men of God contributed to that, but it was really the Lord. I went to Bible college. The Lord called me to Bible college. He didn't call my dad to Bible college. He called me to Bible college. And it was at Bible college that the Lord taught me the truth of the Scriptures through those ministers. Yeah. But we can't get it confused that, okay, well, you were taught of men and your dad was taught of the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit had to reveal every single right. thing yeah. to That's me. Right. It was still yeah. the same teacher. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. It was just yeah. a different avenue. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. Yeah. See, Paul was the avenue mm -hmm. that God used to teach the message of the cross. Mm -hmm. That there would be that it was through Paul that the revelation of the cross, yeah. the revelation of the new covenant came. Okay, so Paul taught it. No, no, no. The Lord taught it. Yeah. Right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Paul was just an instrument. Yeah. That's right. Man confirmed it through his word. Your dad might have been taught away, and you may have said professors taught you, but they confirmed it through his word. Yes, yes. The word uh, to will. Um, you have this definition on your handout. To will, the Greek word will be there, and it is being constantly desirous. So, Paul had a constant desire to do what was right. Paul was constantly desirous of doing God's will, but it still was not being done. That that can take you, I mean, that's, read it again, because that, I think, it's important for us to see that and to really hear it. Paul was constantly desirous of doing God's will, but it still was not being done. That word present or present, present, <laughs> present. <laughs> uh, you'll see that word in the Greek and it means to lie beside or uh, I think I have it. I have it twice in there, and I think the second one has a little bit more in it. Yeah, to lie near, to be at hand, or it might be a little different word actually. Anyway, to lie, to lie beside. The nature of God, the divine nature, was in Paul, which made him desire God's will. 
It was always with him. The desire to do God's will was with him, always. Uh, the next part, Dad. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. The will was there, but not the ability. Paul is saying that while the desire to perform God's will is always with him, the ability or power was not. Ignorant of Romans 6, 7, and 8, he was depending upon his own efforts to do God's will, which is never sufficient. Paul didn't understand Romans 6, 7, or 8, but he had the desire to do God's will, but he didn't have the power to do it because he didn't know how to get it. The Pentecostal world, denominational world, says, we got the power. No, say it like that. <laughs> we got the power because we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's true. The problem is, we don't know how to get it in our everyday life. Yeah. Yes. Now, you can go to a Pentecostal church, sir. I mean, I'm talking about a true Pentecostal. It's not Pentecostal in name only. A true Pentecostal church. And what you will find is anointed praise and worship music. And the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. In certain aspects of the service. Because they are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You'll find the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Because they are filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for service. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit... I'll be honest, I wouldn't get as excited as you see me get sometimes. Right. That excitement is not just, well, that's just how Tanner is. No, 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 no. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit makes something real to you, you get excited. Now, somebody else may not shout as loud as I shout, but they'll still get excited. And sometimes it doesn't always mean that they're going to Express it totally on the outside, but on the inside, they can have the biggest smile you've ever seen on the inside because they, they're seeing something. Amen. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I could sit up here and teach and preach and you would want to fall asleep because there would be no moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. It's not because I'm a great speaker. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> Is the Holy Spirit moving and working? Not because I say the right words or I word it just right. It's not that. Paul said it's not with the wisdom. I didn't come to you with clever speech. I didn't come to you and put everything. I didn't come with some great presentation that you might see it and go, wow. But I came in power. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he was talking about. And the one time, and me and Sarah were talking about this not too long ago, the one time that Paul did not do that was in the book of Acts. And he went to Athens. I believe it was Athens. And they had a basically a big hall, somewhat, of different gods. And they had one that said 
the unknown to an unknown God, or something like that, the unknown God. Paul began to attempt to preach the gospel to them, present, I say present, not preach, to present the gospel to them through an intellectual mindset. You can go look at it for yourself. And at the end of all of it, it says, few believed. Well, why? Because there wasn't the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. He didn't preach the cross in power. He used clever thought processes, clever speech. I'm going to take this certain angle so that you might see it a different way than you've ever seen it before. And there was nothing. And Paul left grieved because he noticed something isn't right. The next place that he went was Corinth. And for a period of time, he didn't preach the gospel. <laughs> for the period, for a period of time, Paul just made tents. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you, if you look at that time before that, Paul preached the gospel everywhere that he went. That was the first thing that he did. And now, after taking a different approach and presenting the gospel, which failed, he was broken hearted, goes to Corinth. A bit shaken and confused, and to, I have to think that Paul was thinking, that did not work. What? Wait a minute. Hold up. Why? I didn't see the same moving of the Spirit. I didn't see that God didn't prick people's hearts like before. Yeah. I don't understand. So he wrestled with that for a little bit. So he didn't preach the gospel right when he got in Corinth. He just made tents. And wrestled with that on the inside for a little bit. And then we get what we see in the writing of 1 Corinthians. I have determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Yes. For it is the power of God. Yes. He learned through that experience that all that was worthless. And from now on, I'm just going to preach the cross. I don't need to make it sound great. I don't need to take a different angle. I just need to present the simple gospel and I don't have to work so hard. And the Spirit of God will do everything. That's ministry. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, though, you couldn't stand listening to me. Yeah. And you'd want to fall asleep. Like, man, why does this feel like a man? But instead, because of the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit, sometimes you just, just a little, one more verse. Well, just one more verse. You look at scripture you see places that Paul preached all night. <laughs> that must be the power of the Holy Spirit. In the Pentecostal denominations, though, we have the power of the Holy Spirit because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for ministry, but in our daily life, 
we'll know how to get it. Because we don't know Romans 6, 7, and 8. Ignorant of Romans 6, 7, and 8, uh, Paul was depending upon his own efforts to do God's will, which is never sufficient. Uh, verse 19. For the good that I wouldn't, I do not. No matter how hard he tried, and despite all the effort put forth, he simply could not live up to the moral law of God. And he was trying hard. The next part. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Paul is speaking of sin, and all sin is not to be taken lightly. Uh, verse 20. Now if I do, that I would not. Paul begins his teaching that the sin nature is powerful because a particular law enforces its activity. That law is the law of sin and death. The next part. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. The idea is not to get rid of the sin nature, which cannot be done, but to control it, which Paul has told us how in Romans 6 and 8. Uh, we would like to get rid of the sin nature, but uh, <laughs> God didn't set it up that way. And the reason, one of the main reasons why he didn't is disciplinary reasons. If if the Lord removed the sin nature from us, we would probably be some of the most prideful, arrogant people. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. we, and we wouldn't depend on the Lord at all. For what? Now that the sin nature is gone, I don't need the cross. That would probably be our response. But he leaves the sin nature there to keep us humble and dependent upon him. On a daily basis. The word dwelleth, you see it in your handout, means to occupy a house, reside, remain, to cohabit. Even though it does remain, talk about the sin nature, does remain in the believer, even with a powerful law attached to it, which makes it very effective. Ideally, it is to be so isolated from the believer causing him no problem, and in fact is, as long as the believer is fully trusting Christ. You can treat a disease once it's isolated. The idea is that the sin nature be so isolated from us that it wouldn't even cause us any problems. Right. If the flu virus is in one room, isolated, and you're in the other room, that flu virus can't do nothing to you. Yeah. Now, if because you're separated, you're isolated from each other, but you go in that room or you allow it to get out, you probably can catch the flu. <laughs> Unless you're scared, you never get sick. I get sick twice with the same thing. <laughs> that is the end of that section.